0: Election College, episode 186. Part 2 of The Life of James K. Polk.
1: Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, Your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith.
0: Ben, in the last episode, we talked about the early life of James Polk. He got off to quite the start. It looks like this guy is going to raise to national prominence. And he goes back, does the political thing in Tennessee, doesn't find a whole lot of success. But there's always the vice president job that might be worth going for. And that's where we pick up in this episode with the election of 1844. Polk is like, okay, I've had it with the whole gubernatorial thing. Governorship. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to become vice president.
1: Now, Van Buren isn't like a a shoe in for sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like him. There's a lot of Southerners who are not on him, just because of his views on slavery and uh, some of the ways he handled the Panic of 1837, which, of course, everyone knows that once again, at the time, it was called the Panic of 1837. That's just the way naming things works. You just know what it's called right away. Right. And <laughs> a lot of these Southerners actually support uh, John C. Calhoun, who was the former vice president from South Carolina. And then some other ones support Senator Lewis Cass. Uh, some, you know, there's, there's lots of people who are backing different groups and different representatives from different areas. And old vice presidents, Richard Bentor Johnson was a name that was thrown out there. So you've got these individuals, these, you know, a couple, couple of good old boys who are really trying to make themselves a little bit higher up in everybody's view. And this is kind of splitting the party because, you know, you've got people who, who really like them. They are, senators already one is thomas hart benton from missouri one is james buchanan from pennsylvania Hmm, that's interesting and they really want somebody who is a little bit less large doesn't loom quite as big because they want to have some candidacies going some maybe not themselves but some other individuals in 1848 and they're like well if we have a a really good vice president we're probably not going to have a way paved for ourselves so, it turns out that Van Buren continues to get a bunch of different opposition, but Polk starts to kind of emerge as, well, maybe we could make him our compromise nominee. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll make Polk the compromise nominee, and that way we don't have to deal with Van Buren at all.
0: So, Polk is, he's chilling out in Tennessee. He's he's thinking, there's no chance. I really would like to be the vice president, but it's best that I just hang out, maybe have some brandy, I don't know, have some Tennessee whiskey, or okay. something. And he decides, well, while I'm chilling out, I'm I'm going to let the players do their deal at the Democratic National Convention. And word gets back to him that, hey, buddy, you're the compromise candidate. It looks like you are going to be able to unify the factions of the party. And by unify, it means not a whole lot of people know a whole lot about you. So you're our guy. And he says, quote, It has been well observed that the office of the president of the United States should neither be sought nor declined. I've never sought it, nor should I feel at liberty to decline it. And he's like, sounds good. (laughs) So the Whigs are like, yes, we got our guy elected to the other party's ticket. The guy who nobody's ever heard of. Who is James K. Polk? We don't know. And vote Clay for president. So it looks like it's good news for the Whigs, especially since the Democrats, I mean, they're kind of the party of Van Buren, you know? Not a very popular guy. Yeah, and Polk actually
1: is kind of genius here because he says, okay, so the Democratic Party is really splintered apart. People aren't liking what's going on. I'm the guy that got picked to take everybody else's place since nobody else was good enough or nobody could agree on anybody else. Okay, listen, everybody. If you elect me, I'll only serve one term. And really, in doing this, he's like, maybe these democrats who don't like me will vote for me so that then i'll only have four years they can get somebody else in here they like better rather than electing another party which they might go for eight years who knows actually possibly more and who knows what could happen if you elect somebody else but if you elect me you know i'm only going to be in here for four years so yeah that's a lot of people have said that and not
0: actually followed through we'll find out what polk does yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's just pause for just a moment and think about this. Your president, John Tyler, wasn't elected as president, right? He uh-huh. was, he, he assumed the role of presidency after William Henry Harrison dies, right? So, John Tyler, he ticks off the Democrats, he ticks off the Whigs... He's not going to win re-election. You've got the Democratic Party. Everybody hates each other, basically. (laughs) You have the Whigs that nobody, it seems as though, nobody wants Henry Clay to be elected president. Does this sound familiar where it seems like nobody is popular enough to be president? indeed it does but of course i wouldn't have any idea what you're talking about i I just i just want to just pause and maybe think about that for just a moment (laughs) could it be that the most popular people in our country are not running for president in 1844 just a thought yeah definitely so yeah things are messy
1: and nobody likes anybody and some weird stuff happens, and the, you know the the North and South are becoming even more and more fractured, and it it gets convoluted. But Polk ends up winning the election with forty nine point five percent of the popular votes and one hundred and seventy of the two hundred and seventy five electoral votes. He ends up losing his birth state, North Carolina. He ends up losing the state where he lives, Tennessee. And he's the only one up to this point and again up until 2016 when Donald Trump did it that wins the presidency but loses both his birth state and his state of residence. You know, he wins some states that you wouldn't expect, but the states you totally like, oh, yeah, that's a gimme. He doesn't get those. And he is told, hey, you won, by the way. Good job. And he's like, "Okay, well, I guess we have to put together a cabinet and uh, I guess the cabinet should be a bunch of people that uh, don't want to be president because that would be silly. Uh, we <laughs> might as well get some other people and uh, he, he does end up choosing Buchanan who has a lot of presidential aspirations but the idea just that you should bring in some people who just want to kind of do a good job and don't necessarily want to k- try to keep moving up through the ranks. Yeah, Polk really embraces that.
0: Yeah. So one of the big hot issues in 1844 was this whole deal of annexing Texas. And this was pretty high on John Tyler's agenda to get the deal done. And of course, Tyler was all about getting Texas annexed as a slave state. And Polk saw it. To be very important to get Texas for whatever reason, and it happens. Uh, Tyler actually offers a offer of annexation um, just a few days before Polk is inaugurated, and what ends up happening is the United States goes to war with Mexico, and then I think we might be able to do a couple of episodes about this war with Mexico uh-huh. because we look back on it and say, oh yeah, well of course Texas, that should be part of the United States, right? And certainly California should be part of the United States and New Mexico and Arizona. Well, of sure. course this was pretty controversial because the United States has a military presence now. it's not like the early part of the 1800s where the, we weren't very militarized, but now we've got a a pretty strong military and it's much stronger than poor Mexico, or should I even say poor Mexico and let our educated listeners come up with that determination that, well, the Mexicans didn't have a chance against the Americans in that war. So there's a lot going on, but Polk Along with saying I'm only going to stay in office for four years, he says that he's going to do four things and that's reestablish the independent treasury system, he's going to reduce tariffs, he's going to shore up this Oregon country. This was a pretty big controversy between the United States and Britain uh, with the northern border, and then he's going to go ahead and seal the deal with California and New Mexico this is where our Napoleon of the stump becomes known as Young Hickory, because he's a lot like his mentor, Andy Jack. It gets really interesting too, because when it comes to foreign policy, we don't really
1: think a ton about foreign policy in the 1800s, but Polk had to deal with a lot of foreign policy, and especially as he's looking at this Oregon country, and uh, Jason mentioned that previously, that Yeah, he's going to try and acquire some land from other countries, and in doing so, he's going to have to have a pretty legit plan to do it. So, he really wants to expand. He wants to continue, you know, good relations with Mexico and Great Britain, if we can, of course, but he definitely believes in the idea of manifest destiny and that's you know the whole idea of moving across and continuing to take up as much land as we can and hey let's get to the other coast we need to have two coasts in this country of ours and that's this is how we're going to do it we're going to annex we'll continue to annex texas and we're going to at least get part of that oregon country and these are all things jason have mentioned so a little bit of background on the Oregon country. It had been kind of joint occupation, I guess you could say. Both UK individuals and US individuals had been there since the Treaty of 1818. And there were a lot of individuals previous to Polk who had said, okay, well, we're fine with... Uh, what if we divide the region? What if we just you know, put a a, a line down the center of it or something? And Britain's like, no, we've We've got stuff there. We don't want to do that. And they had a partition that they wanted. And Polk's like, no, we're not doing that because we want this particular landmark or this particular asset in in the town or in the territory.
0: Yeah, it's funny to think about the United States not getting along with Canada or Great Britain or British Columbia or whatever you want to call it. The whole idea of the largest peaceful border in the world, it wasn't until fairly recently that this line had been formed. And what I mean by recently, you know, in the last 150, 170 years, that we're not having all these little skirmishes uh, between the U.S. and the U.K. And there are all kinds of little battles that were fought, you know, which island does this belong to and you know whose farm you know what country is your farm on <laughs> it it was a pretty big deal to make sure that a compromise had been reached so it's something that i i think we talked about this in maybe middle school history but you don't really think about too much and that might just be because we're in the midwest ben i don't know
1: yeah that's entirely totally cool. possible I know that I, until we did our own information, our own research, I did not have really a full grasp of the Mexican War at all. Um, And there's probably still plenty I don't know about it, but it's one of those that I just feel like it's not as well covered as it could have been. Or at least where I went to school and um, amongst the people I've had interactions with, it just doesn't seem to be
0: popular to teach about. Yeah. And, I mean, you have people, like, later on, uh, I think uh, U.S. Grant even had some harsh words about the Americans being involved in a war with Mexico because it was so one-sided. It was almost as if uh, Grant was saying we should not have gone to war with Mexico and some of these territories should not be part of the United States. It's definitely worth getting more into. And if we can finagle a way to bring politics into this or elections into this, uh, it's something that I think we might do well to talk about. I I'm curious if any of our listeners have spent much time talking about the Mexican war. In 1846 to 1848, I think a lot of us are thinking. All know our country is about to head into civil war, but a lot of the thoughts about slavery and manifest destiny and all of that come to a head right there in the mid 1840s.
1: Yeah, Jason. Speaking of slavery, that's another issue about Polk we can kind of dive into here. Uh, Polk kind of, you know, it's an important issue to him, but it's kind of a side issue. You know, territorial expansion and economic policy, those are both issues that Polk cares about more. And Polk really wants to continue to expand. And during his presidency, a lot of individuals said, hey, um, you just want to annex Texas and have this war so that you can continue to get Slavery in the western parts of the country, which you know wasn't the country yet, but he wanted that they they said he wanted to continue to stretch it across the country. So it it becomes an uh, an issue within an issue, really, uh, in that all he really wants to do is get more land for our country. and um, it becomes an issue of, well, do we allow slavery? Does this help slavery expand? Uh, this is an issue that you know throughout the entire, from the start of the country to uh, after the Civil War, really, uh, continues to come up in almost every president's tenure, uh, is the expansion of slavery or not expanding slavery.
0: So what we do know about Polk is that he makes good on his promise to only be in the White House for four years. He leaves office. On March the 4th 1849 and he dies in June like wow <laughs> what yeah. a shocker you know that here this man who he probably could have run he could he could have said you know what I'm I'm gonna run for reelection why not but he doesn't and he dies and His body has been moved several times, and it looks like it might be moved again. Right now, his tomb is on the grounds of the state capitol there in Nashville, but they are talking about relocating his remains to his ancestral home in Columbia, Tennessee.
1: Yeah, kind of crazy, Jason. I mean, you mentioned how he died shortly after being out of office, and you have to wonder was the presidency what really you know did him in he he obviously had contracted cholera they say and and who knows if that would have happened if he'd still been in office but it's really interesting because of just how bad his body had become and how sick and kind of depressed he was after he was no longer the president that i mean we talked about this briefly at the beginning of last episode that Polk is kind of one of those guys that we don't talk a lot about. He did some of the more influential things in our country's history. He, you know, brought a lot of territory in. He presided over a war. He was around for a lot of stuff and pretty decent president by all accounts. And yet we don't talk about him a whole lot. So keep that in mind when you're you're considering presidents.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you consider states like texas and california it's quite possible that those states would have been who knows maybe even their own independent countries to this day if it weren't for polk and his uh, feelings about manifest destiny and fulfilling that destiny and you know going to war with mexico as a result so James K. Polk, probably the strongest, least known president that we have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we would be honored if you would go over to our Patreon page and throw us a buck a month or something. Uh, I know we made that sound really casual there, but (laughs) seriously, 11 cents per episode, which is what a dollar a month is for Election College, will really help us out. Every dollar we get goes into the production of the show, goes into paying for the hosting of the show, etc. and we'd really appreciate that. So consider a dollar a month, consider more if you have it, and if you don't, we'll still keep providing the podcast for free, but it would really mean a lot to us if you would at least check it out. You can go to electioncollege.com slash Patreon.
0: Yeah, and just like the license plate for Aruba says, one happy island... We have one happy community. I don't know. I just needed to bring Aruba into the podcast (laughs) somehow. But we do have a happy community over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can connect with us there at Election College. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. It does mean so much to us over on iTunes. Visit electioncollege.com slash iTunes or get out your phone for heaven's sake and open the podcast app. And you will find a way to leave a review. That is, if you have an iPhone. That's about all I have. What about you, Ben?
1: Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next time here on Election College. (laughs) This
0: is the story of the one.